Friday, beautiful people. Hello, this is Babs Rawls Ivy. Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. Yes, the wheels keep on turning. I'm in studio today. Guess what? Author Crush, Author Crush. Will Spivy will be here in about two minutes. And we're going to talk about his writing life and his blogging life and his political gadflyness. <laughs> so, and, 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 and he's a friend. So I'm so happy to be talking to him in about two minutes. So um, he's got a book that's out shopping now, making the rounds, the publishing rounds. And then he's working on um, a couple of books, well, a, a bigger book that is maybe a two or three book series and then some other kinds of things about that. So we're going to come on and we're going to talk all kinds of things. Now, he and I talk all the time. So this would be probably more of what we do when we talk. <laughs> So before he comes on, um, y'all know I have this great cocktail over at Ordinary. Hey, Tim Cabral, my bar husband. Um, the Love Babs cocktail is still going strong, so you have the rest of this month to get it in. Yes, it's $20, but guess what? $10 of that $20 goes to Common Ground, which I'm a board member of, which two of my children attend. So, A, we have to drink for the kids. We're drinking for the kids. So, hey, here's my friend Will Spivy now. Let me... Let me click him on. Okay. I think I got you on. Hey, Will Spivy. Hey, Babs Ross Ivy. How are you? I am good. And you? I'm fine. Good morning. Welcome to hey. Love Babs Love Talk. Well, thank you very much. Are we live right now? We are very live. I stay live. Okay. Then I'll watch my language. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, I need to watch mine too. I, <laughs> okay. I was telling people, you know, we talk all the time, so this will be, this will be a, a snapshot of how we usually talk with one another because we talk fairly regularly. We've been talking fairly regularly for about a year now, right? Because we're Facebook friends. That's how we know each other, and uh, we've not been in the same room together, in the same spaces together, but we've been on the same internets together. So. <laughs> So that's its own sort of intimacy and closeness. So how? So tell us about um, why you're writing these days, because I think that's a great story. Well, I think I've always written, and maybe even before I realized that I always had. I think the very first thing I wrote was actually a a screenplay for a television show that I named what it was would date me considerably. Um, But as in elementary school, I wrote a screenplay, and. when I was older, I wrote essays in college. I, I won an essay contest mainly because I entered it mainly for the $200 prize, which I did win. But uh, <laughs> I've always written, and I guess only recently has it become more or less an obsession where I've just felt compelled to write about things. Mm-hmm. I think social media added to that where you had the opportunity to get feedback on what you wrote. So now you're a FIS graduate, and FIS graduates are pretty strong, right? Everybody pretty much anybody who goes to HBCU has an allegiance, allegiance or a loyalty to their school. But this folks are probably right up there with the Aggie people, the A-A-T, the A&T folks. So uh, you are an athlete. So you were an athlete, basketball mm-hmm. player through high school and college. And I would imagine, and you can correct me, um, that perhaps writing was not at the forefront of your life but you did have an affinity for it that's true and i'm trying to uh think of how to say this and not sound like a total jerk that at the forefront of my life during the time i was playing basketball was probably chasing women (laughs) 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 and 
had I known then that writing could add to that, I might have been writing a lot sooner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's okay. How to get women in one hundred and one writing classes? I like that. So, so you find yourself. You've had a big life. Like you've done a lot of interesting, cool things, right? You got out of college. You worked. You've had your own businesses. You've done a few, uh, a lot of considerable successful things. And now you find yourself at this point in your life sort of taking on this idea of storytelling. Storytelling. So tell me about the thing that uh, gets you excited about writing. Tell me about that. Well, there's two types of writing that I do. I'm, I'm a blogger. I blog at Enigma in Black dot wordpress.com and I write there for the chance to express myself politically uh, to say what I have to say about a number of social issues and occasionally talk about my family and what I enjoy most about writing there is the immediate feedback I can write something and know what people think about it within minutes start to hear about it as opposed to writing a book where bringing the book to fruition you know, it may take over a year and, you know, getting feedback is a slow process. You don't really know where you stand until long after you've begun the process. Um, I started writing, I guess the first book with which you're familiar is uh, Letters to Amber, which started as a series of letters uh, to an individual. And, and, and not just any kind of letters. Like beautifully oh, written, <laughs> beautifully written love letters. Like, be really, yes, seriously. Were. Yeah. <clears throat> and those letters existed and sat on my computer. And as we got to know each other and talked and I, I shared some of them with you and you said, these need to be a book. And I agreed with you. And so, therefore, it became a book. And a very fine book, I must say. And it was a it was a real pleasure working with working with that working with you on that. So, but let me, let me stay with the political writing before we get to the, um, the fiction writing, because I think political writing um, is much more up to the minute and you don't have a whole lot of creative license to sort of um, say what you need to say that you, you take the facts as you know them to be, and then you put it out there with your own spin on it. So, so you started there. I mean, that's been your biggest writing, um, platform the, the 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 topical political stuff uh what is it about that kind of writing that you like well one it gets me a chance it gives me a chance to express my emotions because i feel very strongly about some of the things I've, I've written about uh i wrote most recently about the latest incident of a black child being shot tyree king mm -hmm. uh, uh, a basket of deplorables uh the term that is you know, quite correct. And we're, all we're disputing about is the percentage and talking about <laughs> Donald Trump's followers. Yes, uh, yes. I've written, about, <laughs> I've written about Native American as the new black uh, and talking about how they're being treated in terms of how their land is being uh, taken away uh, to run a pipeline through it. Uh, not that it hasn't been, not that it all wasn't theirs to begin with in America. You know, the little bit they have left is now being taken away. And you delved and, into uh, a little bit of pop culture because you tackled the Beyonce lemonade. Yeah. From piece. a male perspective. Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of things and you know, yeah, I think we've talked about my perceptions of, uh, uh, the movie, mm -hmm. um, Wesley Snipes. Waiting to exhale. Waiting to exhale. And, you know, read, having read the book first, you know, it was an enjoyable story, but in my perception that it, it told the point of view from a woman's perspective. And you look at the black populations of black male populations of Denver, uh, Washington, D.C., Phoenix, New York. None of the black men really came out well. And I think that there's a different point of view uh, that can be presented. So sometimes I feel the need to present that. OK, so now, I mean, so let's stay with that for a few minutes. So do you think that black men as a as a whole sort of get a bad rap in terms of relationship, romance, commitment kinds of things? Well, I think uh, the, the winners tell the story. Or they say that about history. 
Um, the winners get to tell the history. And I think most of what has been said about uh, romance has been written by female authors more so than men. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a, a perspective that uh, is is sometimes very flattering, but not always. And I think that we need to hear more of the other voice, more of the other side that, you know, what do men have to say about different situations? Mm-hmm. And I think that if you listen to, if we had more men's voices talking about, you know, morality and fidelity and, and positive things, that that would be helpful culturally wise. Well, I think, you know, having, having been um, connected to your book, your books, or the, the pieces that you're writing, um, I think you are raising some good points. And I think that, uh, and, I, and we've talked about this, that I think where you're writing from is perhaps a minority voice out there in a sea of books um, in the romance genre and pop culture genre that is sorely lacking. So I don't know if that, if it's because uh, you've lived, you you know, you're, you're not, um, you're not 22. So you've had some life under your belt. Um, you've had some experiences under your belt. And so you can see the world from a different vantage place. I don't know if um, young men and young women, um, have the ability to sort of get to um, common ground around relationships without some time put in, i.e. aging a little bit. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think maturity is a blessing that if we actually do mature, I think that you see examples of people that have the same uh, desires and, and goals as they did in their youth. And it's kind of unfortunate. I think Muhammad Ali uh, made a, a quote about uh, if you're still thinking the same way as an adult that you did as a child that uh, that you're not progressing. Mm-hmm. And I think that age and experiences, you know, do give you information, and but we still have to do something with that information in order to progress, become better people. Now, before you before you did um, Enigma in Black, you have a Facebook um, political discussion forum, um, Average Citizen Forum. Correct. Correct. And uh, I think it was founded pretty much the last uh, presidential election Mm -hmm. where I wanted a voice to be able to say what I had to say politically and to speak out against some of the uh, I think one of my main issues then and now is voter suppression. I think it's one of the the biggest thing that, you know, America and I'm talking about the general media, I'm talking about well, pretty much everybody ignores because it's been, become so mainstream now. If they're able to call it, you know, voter ID, as opposed to exactly what it was, and even in North Carolina right now, where the Supreme Court said uh, specifically that it was uh, actually this pet, a panel of federal judges said that this was specifically done to target minorities and to keep them from voting, mm-hmm. uh, which the Supreme Court backed up. So, but instead of that meaning that everything went back to the way it was before. It went back to the individual counties to decide what they're going to do with it. And there's several counties that are keeping that in place, which is uh, being fought right now. But And it's an organized effort. It's not just uh, an, an individual place here and there. It's the RNC, the Republican National Committee, uh, the uh, ALEC, and a lot of other organized groups, state legislators and governors. Uh, there is a conspiracy, particularly among Republican politicians, to maintain their advantage politically by keeping us from voting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you could see it in so many strands. I mean, you could see it with the educational system. Um, you could see it with um, um, gerrymandering. You could see it with um, hyper mass incarceration. So it is a systemic it is it is um, a system that is so ingrained in our consciousness and in the way in which we go about our everyday lives that I find it challenging and I, and I only find it more challenging now with the, with the rise of the Donald Trump um, candidacy. Um, I'm amazed and stunned and saddened and disgusted how the rules of engagement at that level has changed just with this one election that we have allowed and accepted the kind of vitriol that we're seeing that was, you know, that would have been four years ago would have been um, the the kinds of things that would have ended folks's candidacy. 
right? So talk a little bit about, uh, Bill, um, what you think of this current political climate. Now, you hail from Florida. You live in Florida. Um, and Florida, as you know, um, some interesting political things come out of there, right? I mean, you, you had Jeb Bush as your your as your governor, you have this current governor, um, and it's an interesting political place. Um, talk a little bit about uh, what you make of all of this, uh, this current political climate. I think sadden is a word that you use that uh, it comes to mind. It's, uh, it's that, a, that a Donald Trump exists and that he appeals to a certain base of people is not a surprise. But what do you? How do you sort of reconcile that? Because I can't believe that the majority of people are Donald Trump people. What does that say about the rest of us who are maybe liberal or kind of conservative or whatever? You know what? What do you? Th- I mean, do you find this shocking, or do you find it par for the course? With a word I'd use is revealing. Ah. In that, uh... There's a, a former football coach. He's passed away now. Danny Green that made a big statement about you know, in talking about his football team that they had after a loss. He said they are who we thought they were. And in this case, you know, a, a big portion of America is turning out to be you know who we hated to believe that it was true, but they are maybe who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, maybe allowing all these things to take place, you know, the actual racism behind voter suppression. Uh, and some of the other things that take place that everybody knows happens, but are, but are allowed to call it something else so they don't have to really address it. Uh, and you know, you know, America is a divided country, and it's uh, now we're seeing that you know played out where they're able to uh, to just ignore the fact that you know yes, this campaign is built on a lot of things that uh, that are knowingly not true, but they meet their needs. Mm-hmm. Now, do now, you? Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say that as a perception that there are people voting against their self-interest, I don't ever find that to be true. I think what we see is that their self-interest isn't what we think it should be. Ah. And with the demographics of America changing and with the uh, white voice being increasingly, increasingly diminished as other voices are becoming louder and especially the ability to vote is making them less powerful that they're doing everything they can can through uh, systemic means to maintain power. So it's not necessarily all about race, but it is about power. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you are thinking about what to blog about and what to put on Average Citizen Forum, I mean, are you, are you ever overwhelmed? Are you ever sort of like, oh, my God, you know, there's so much to uh, talk about. There's so much that I could you know, wax poetic about, I mean, do you, do you find yourself uh, yielding to the topical stuff or do you try to look at things that maybe um, there's not a whole lot of focus on? Like what is your process for writing about a particular subject on your blog or on your Facebook forum? Uh, It may may disappoint you if you really heard about my process. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I, 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 I get inspired to write, and fortunately, you know, I have not suffered from writer's block. Block has never been a shortage of things to write about, um, but I have to sort of feel inspired to to write about it. And, and we've had some of these conversations. You might suggest to me you should write about this, and I'd say I'm not feeling it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, oh you're being really nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, audience. Oh, he doesn't. Many. He's not that very nice to me. <laughs> We've had many discussions about what I should write, but I, I kind of have to be inspired by it. But there's there's a there's a lot of inspiration out there, which is kind of unfortunate. Um, you know, a lot of when I begin to write about something, it, it often takes research. It's not just my reaction to it, but uh, you know, I try to be 100% fact based. So if I'm writing about something, and a lot of things that I talk about are topical, but a lot of it has a basis in history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started writing, a, I did write a series of posts about the history of, of American slash white exceptionalism, which, uh, which started when a lot of Republican politicians primarily were not only trying to use 
the words American exceptionalism in a way that meant not only to them America was better than other countries, but specifically to other countries where the people were of color. It's not a term they used against, you know, Great Britain, against France, but they had no problem in using it against, you know, uh, Arab countries or black countries. And it basically was licensed to be superior. And they also wanted to force Barack Obama, Obama to use the same phrase mm-hmm. in the way they wanted him to use it. Mm-hmm. it. It wasn't sufficient sufficient for him to say that, you know, he was certain that other countries believed in their own uh, strengths and abilities. It was he had to come out and say that America was superior to these other countries to satisfy them. Something he never said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm inspired by parallels in history. When I see things happening now that have happened before, but because of the way our history is taught, and more specifically not taught, you don't hear about a lot of the things that have taken place in the past, so therefore you can't relate to the future. Well, this is, a good, to- this is a good segue into, into um, the current book that you're working on, that, we, that we're working on together, um, the, strong, strong beginnings. the Strong Beginnings, and then the subsequent books afterwards. Because this particular story um, uh, has a real historical um, um, reference point, and then you, bu- you then you build a fictional story around an actual um, um, tragedy. So, talk a little bit about that. Okay, the book itself it starts out in the opening scenes with a lynching. And it's based on historical lynching that actually took place in 1946 in in Georgia, in Walton County, Georgia. And two black couples were killed on a on a dirt road near a bridge, uh, the Morris Ford Bridge. And uh, the reasons for it uh, have, according to group legend, are like the black man was getting uppity. That one of them allegedly said something to a white woman. This is you know, 1946 as opposed to, you know, 1886. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also there was a witness uh, to the lynching that I took from another historical fact, that there was a a gentleman, a young father with a pregnant wife that was killed uh, for an unknown reason in Covington, Georgia. Mm -hmm. So I had to change the dates of the original lynching to make it match up to the story I wanted to tell. But there were still lynchings going on in 1966 mm-hmm. uh, when I set that story, uh, as opposed to uh, the 1946. So it begins there with the lynching and the uh, witness to the lynching, and then we get to the impact that it has on two families in the present day, uh, based on that. And then that lynching finally comes to a, a conclusion in terms of uh, uh, whatever justice is available at this point in time, taking place. Now, now the story isn't just solely about that, that but this is, the, this is the kickoff of the story, and this is the basis of, of the, this is the heart of the story. But the story is quite contemporary, and it is filled with um, romance and um, intrigue, and, um, and it's very uh, women, women-centered. Like, you have some really interesting women, um, women of, of note, um, who who are real people? <laughs> so <laughs> like you have real people in this story, uh, and I Absolutely. think that's what makes it work. I, I think this is why I'm so fascinated by the story is that you have you you what you've done is marry fiction and nonfiction um, to a story to tell a very good story. So so talk a little bit about um, your desire and design to sort of have um, women. Uh, play prominent roles in a story written by you as a as a as a black man. Well, thank you. Um, yes, the protagonist in the story is a female blogger, and she's and uh, starts out as an educator. She was an administrator and assistant principal at a, at a middle school, and in you know the career is actually based on a real person. Yes, who uh, we know. <laughs> yeah. So who and, we know. Yes. You know, had she not. Had she still been with the school system, I would be hesitant to uh, put her name out there like that. But uh, it's Kelly Wickham Hurst. Yes, who is the CEO and founder of uh, BeingBlackAtSchool.com, who was my guest last week. 
Right, and I encourage everybody to go to her site uh, to uh, to buy a book like I have. Uh, you know, the book hasn't been written yet. Uh, me but I'm too. But I'm slipping out there <laughs> because of the amazing work she's doing. Yes. And as you know, you're the the blogger community is relatively small where people know each other. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be a a good idea to put some of these fellow bloggers. I mean, you communicate with other bloggers and authors all the time in real life. Yes. And, you know, if this character was going to become what she was going to become, she would also be doing the same. And just like you attended award ceremonies and met a lot of these people, your contemporaries, so did she. And uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to one, get permission, use some of these people and put them in the story. So, so tell us who's office. in this story. <clears throat> okay, uh, Beverly Jenkins. Who is a big office. romance writer and a historical mm-hmm. romance writer at that. Yeah, uh, Victoria Christopher Murray. Yes, my sorority sister and <clears throat> founder of uh, Black Girls Publishing, right? Yeah. Black Girl Books. Uh, Brown Girl Books. It, Babs Rawls Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's you, isn't it? <clears throat> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> who, who was trying to get you to write me in Idris Elba? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't let you marry Idris Elba. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> no, it's like, please. We it's had to fiction. draw the line somewhere, but maybe in the sequel. And uh, <laughs> Tamika Newhouse, who's also the founder of the uh, African Americans on the Move Book Club. Yes. And uh, a great romance author in her own right and mm-hmm. publisher. She's got a. So these people have given me permission to. Uh, include them in the story, and uh, I've also had the chance to mention some of the literary heroes of the uh, protagonists, so I got to at least throw in the names of some other people that are out there doing great work. And it also kind of leads to the title, Strong Beginnings, mm-hmm. that, you know, in addition to being an historical novel and a political and political fiction and romance, um, it's also what I like to think of as the origin story of a female superhero. Yes. And that she is going to go on and she's going to touch on uh, things that are in current life. She's As a blogger, she talks about, you know, very current things. Um, the current time I wrote them, and I tried to talk about things that will still have a message. Um, uh, I actually personally lived a block from where the Pulse nightclub uh, massacre took place. Mm-hmm. And I had a familiarity with the scene. But there's other became... scenes, too, that you... There's other scenes in the book, too, because you've been to Europe, and, and so you talk a little bit about the places that you've been in Europe. So you've written that yeah. into the story, right? Yeah, at, at the timing of the book, uh, the, the, Brexit, the Brexit photo took place in, in England, mm-hmm. and uh, I had the character in France at the time, and seeing a lot of that in, in the, the local media, and talking about, uh, she wrote a piece in the blog, I think, all around the world, same song. And it compared the uh, racism and the nativism expressed in Great Britain with uh, America, mm-hmm. and how that you know it's the, it's in a lot of respects the same everywhere. So uh, <clears throat> this character talks about a lot of contemporary issues, and being an educator, educator, she talks about some education issues as well. And we're talking about the uh, the the difference in suspensions and uh, expulsions of black kids for the same offenses um, that were committed by by white children. So there were always, always a, a greater degree in harsher punishments. And fortunately, I had great resources. The the people that I based this on, like Kelly uh, Wickenhurst being uh, primary among them, uh, I was able to go back and ask for examples and get some feedback and get mm-hmm. some input to you know what kinds of things are happening. Can you give me some examples? And, and you know, I've fictionalized you know, the events that are in the book, but you know, there's a they're based on things that could have happened in reality. So you got this beautiful story, and it's a beautiful story, if I must say so myself. It's a it's a beautiful story, and I and, I, and you're right. I talk to authors and bloggers all the time, right? Um, and I what I like about this story, one, I like that you know you have you know you have a lot of women in this story, and you're giving them really good voices. So talk a little bit about channeling your inner femininity to. (laughs) (laughs) I object. I object. (laughs) Channeling your inner femininity to sort of capture 
accurately or as best you can as a man, um, the voices of, of a woman or voices of women, making them strong and making them competent, making them sexy, uh, making them um, capable thinking people. Uh, what has that process been like? It actually started in the, in the first book, the, the, the romance book, and that, you know, we were, you know, going through that book and, and what I kept hearing from, from you was that you need to bring out the female voices that, you know, there was in that book, there was one prominent male character and one prominent female character. And he said that you've got the male character down. We know what he's feeling and what he's thinking, but, you know, we're, we're just kind of reporting on the female character as opposed to, you know, letting us know along the way what she's feeling. And I didn't say feeling like I usually say when I'm mocking. I was going to say, I was going to say, I, I only hear a hint of disdain. I don't hear like full okay. on disdain. <laughs> so, in, in writing about you know these characters, one I had to get input from you know from women as to how they would handle themselves in the situation. And in the, in the um the career model was based on Kelly Wickham Hurst. Um, but then I had the personality issues, and there was another woman whose personality I used in developing the character. And of course, I am the politics and. So basically, the protagonist is a compilation of three people, uh, Kelly Wickham Hurst, uh, myself as far as the political side, and uh, I have permission to put his name out here, uh, a Biscuit friend for uh, 40 years, someone I once dated, uh, Patrice Strong. So, you know, that's three people that have combined to make this character. And when I had struggles with how to uh, bring out that female voice, I asked questions. and. Uh, you know, in case of uh, of the personality, you know, I did it on Facebook through messaging, and I had, you know, if I go back and scroll through all the questions, I that could be a book in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But you know, I had to <clears throat> ask women and talk to women about how they react in situations because the conclusions or the actions that I would take in the same situations might be different. All right, I think you did a good job. I mean, I think. I mean, I think it's not an easy thing, right? And I think as you develop characters that you sort of, um, I think you did the right thing by asking women and talking to women and getting a sense of women. But I, but I, but I know you to know that you like women. Like you're not one of these men who does not have an affinity for women. You you appreciate women. I know that you like talking to smart women. I know that you, um, that you that you enjoy um, women. So, so that's a, that puts you in a different kind of stead to write about women, I think, than men who sort of just come with an opinion hard and, and just unyielding about how women ought to be. So I think you, I think you sort of um, come to it a little differently than most, I think. I would say that. Well, I, I think that the, especially it came from observing politics, that it is it was impossible not to observe that the same types of systemic things that uh, are stacked against minorities are also stacked against women. Mm-hmm. And you look at uh, women in the workplace, uh, women in politics, uh, women in general. And some of the uh, trying not to talk about my brothers too bad, but some of the views that have been allowed to stand about you know how to treat women. Uh, you know, I grew to a point where um, I was able to say that's wrong, and how can we write this, and how can we represent these voices better? Um, so, you know, I tried to, to to do that. All right, so so let me change gears a little bit because you know I I have some personal knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that's the dangerous part. <laughs> so I know you to be a poet, even though oh. you're a reluctant poet, <laughs> reluctant poet, but a poet nonetheless. So talk a little bit about that, right? Because, it, it, you know, we struggled with this whole poetry thing and and you've yielded to me a little bit on, on, on it, but you have a fine mind for it, but I don't think you have a great deal of love for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the reality finally struck me when I, you know, became a blogger and you look at the best way to express thoughts and, and opinions and sometimes poetry seemed to be that 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 mechanism and um, I am not 
a great reader of poetry. But and I it's think not I have... it's not because I haven't tried. <laughs> <laughs> yes, try to force feed me <laughs> this and that. Um, but I have been able to do that, and uh, especially when it comes to personal subjects, subjects that are personal to me. Mm-hmm. Like I think I've written poems about uh, posting about three of my uh, granddaughters. I have seven granddaughters, and three of them have showed up so far in in stories and poetry in my blog. And uh, I have to write about the others before they're old enough to come to me and say, well, what about me? <laughs> you can't show favoritism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but, you know, poetry, it's, it interests me. Uh, and you have forced me to concede. <laughs> what? To, hey, you, concede. you know this is taped, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. So you play it back for me when oh, I deny over it. and over <laughs> again. <laughs> so uh, I don't mean to uh, to denigrate poetry at all. It's a, it's a wonderful mechanism for expressing thought, and uh, I enjoy it when I do it, and I hope to do more of it. Um, but when I'm inspired to. Wow, I I'm impressed. I don't even know what to say. I'm like, woo. I'm impressed. That is really, really, uh, that is, that's a really, uh, awareness, a really great awareness. So let's change gears again because, because you're doing a lot. And, uh, let's talk about the part of, uh, writing a book that no one ever talks about. And that is the platform building, um, and, uh, a fan base. And you are doing that now. You are starting to do that now. How does that feel? It feels a bit out of sorts for me. Um, I am, I think I have two personalities that come, that exhibit themselves in my life. I think I'm naturally an introvert Mm -hmm. and rather quiet. Um, But if you had observed me like on the basketball court, I was quite a different person. And I could have been arrogant. You know, I could have been quite, uh, well, I was not restrained at all. And I'm trying to, to learn to bring some of those characteristics to my writing in social media to overcome the fact that I'm actually a pretty quiet person. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, you know, I kind of disdain doing things for the sole purpose of building a following. And so I kind of rebel against that. Oh, really? Know, I... <laughs> <laughs> rebel? See, you, you know too much about me. <laughs> So uh, you've you've talked to me about, you know, and that's blogging was something that I've been encouraged to do by others. Uh, Adrian Williams, I'm thinking of you. Uh, And, you know, I finally started blogging and I said, okay, I can do this without, you know, sacrificing my 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 values. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do it and, you know, I can do the things that are technically you need to do to. Uh, give them a, a space to follow you, to establish an email list, to be able to, you know, encourage people to follow you. That, and and you know, and, ten- and the other piece of that bill is, and I've been trying to push you, and you've given me a great deal of pushback. And now on. you're going to push me on radio. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. But we had a lot of conversation about um, privacy because you are a very mm-hmm. private person, right? You are, and you are an introvert, but you're a very private person. And I've been trying to get you to be a little bit more revealing about things. And and you were like, no. And you wrote a whole blog piece about it. And I what came What do on, I owe my readers? Yeah, what do you owe your readers? And I came and I sort of said what I wanted to say on your blog about, I think you owe them everything. And then, and then I had to come back and say, you know what? I hear you. I appreciate that. But talk a little bit about, a little bit about that. And, you know, because you, you are on social media just like I am and so we see um, a lot of people sharing a great deal of their personal selves Um, and it does well for them you know a lot of these writers and artists you know they 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 have a lot of personal commentary I I, myself being one of them um, what are your feelings on that like how far are you willing to sort of share and what's what's off limits for you and what are you most guarded about? Well, there are a, a number of uh, bloggers and writers out there with great presence on social media that have 
you know, and it's a positive thing for them. They become personalities and they have followers who follow them because they enjoy their, their views, their lifestyle. They're, in, you know, they're kind of fascinated by the people that are uh, the, the bloggers, I'll say, in question. And that's wonderful, but I don't think that's that's my goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see myself, you know, as a political educator, as a writer, and it may be foolish, as you'll tell me, that, you know, I want to be known for my works as opposed to, you know, being a social butterfly, posting a bunch of selfies and, you know, being all over Instagram. And, and so for the moment, I'm doing what, you know, I'm comfortable in doing. I have a, you know, my personal Facebook page. I've got uh, 4,000 some friends. And obviously, I don't know them all. Fortunately, a good base of those are, are fellow Fiskites, but that I, I do know, you know, personally hundreds of them. And we have our own little uh, Facebook group for the time period in which I went to Fisk that, uh, you know, we would have a lot of, you know, really in-depth conversations about different things with people that are actual friends. And, you know, and they've been very supportive. In fact, uh, uh, I'm just real happy with the support that I get from fellow Fiskites. And then I started the the page in, in preparation for the release of Strong Beginnings. And, you know, my friends, a lot of them are following that page and have come along and are waiting to see uh, for when that book comes out. And, to, and, and I feel like I'm going to get a great deal of support from that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still a... A, a hard thing for me to do things just for the sake of building a, a brand, of building a um, an audience, a fan base. Mm-hmm. And you want me to create this base of people that will want to read everything that I write. Mm-hmm. And there are some people like that, but they've come to that organically as opposed to uh, by me following some kind of formula. And mm-hmm. you know, I read a lot about you know what people do to market their books and to market their their blogs and I incorporate, you know, that which I feel comfortable in doing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm likely to, you know, ever really put myself out there um, in terms of, you know, everything. Although if you read what I write, there's a lot of me in that. You mm-hmm. get my personal feelings about about issues, but you don't necessarily get a lot about me, which I'm, you know, from time to time, you know, and I think on my blog in my um, bio, that I said that, you know, it's kind of why it's named Enigma in Black, but I I, I will give you more from time to time. Well, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think my, my perspective with you um, is always as, you know, as, and I will say this as your coach, writing coach, and as your, uh, you know, someone who cares deeply about what you're doing, um, you, you know, you represent a voice that is, isn't, often heard out there you know you're you're you are a man of a certain age um you are a single man of a certain age so so you have some experiences that could be beneficial um to a, a audience that isn't talked to on a regular basis and so i'm always thinking to position you in that place of um doing that work you know not not unlike steve harvey with his conversations to a particular particular age cohort of men, not unlike, you know, um, Tyrese the singer, not unlike Reverend Ron, you know, um, men talking about uh, relationship things do very well because they're not hurt. Not enough men are having these conversations about um, what they value, how they live their lives how they go about choosing spouses or significant others um, and what it's like to sort of date after divorce and, and um, health concerns and those kinds of things. So I just think um, that there is a whole field of folks out there that would value, that would find a great deal of value in having someone address those very sort of real things. And so um that has been my goal for you to sort of get you comfortable in that particular medium. Um, I think you're at home in the political uh, commentary world. And I think you are finding a really good voice in this romance fiction genre, you know, and I think you're, and I'm glad to hear you're at ease with poetry. I'm going to get you for that, by the way, just, just so you know. <laughs> so I, so I'm, 
I'm very happy. And, and boy, I'm glad this is on radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us, um, Bill, what do you, what do you, what is the goal for you? What is the hopes and the wishes and the aspirations for you around this whole writing thing? And just in your life in general, what is that looking like these days? If you, or I'm going to say, when you read my books, you'll find a lot of a lot of conversations in in the two that are written uh, about relationships and uh, the things to consider when entering in them that a lot of people don't talk about until they're already, you know, well beyond a certain point. And I think one could, you know, read you know the books and say, you know. You know, those are interesting things we should talk about, even if you're already, you know, 10 years into a relationship. You know, we never really talked about that. So, you know, the things that you would you suggest you would have me talk about, I think that I do talk about them, but I talk, I've talked about them in novels as opposed to, you know, blog pieces and specific things. Although I think some of that came out in the, uh, you know, man's view of lemonade piece I did on, you know, about Beyonce. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in a couple of things it has it has been touched on. Um, as far as my goals as a writer, um, you know, I want success um, because I want to be read. Mm-hmm. I want uh, my views to make a difference. So uh, wait, define success for me. Like, how would you know? If I can do something to help people, you know, take an interest in politics and recognize, you know, the history of, of what has been done and still being done. So give me, um, give and, me some success. You know, give me what you think success is. Yeah, the information uh, different than, you know, the, 24-hour news cycles where, you know, things get touched on and then go away. I want, I want some of these issues not to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, of course, I want financial success, but I want it on, sort of on my terms, writing about what I want to write about. Mm-hmm. And um, hopefully that there's a match between what I want to talk about and what the audience wants to hear. So, I mean, are you doing a lot of thinking about success? Like, how, tell me what that looks like for you. Like, how will you know? Hello? Yes. Can you hear me? Hello? Uh-oh, I think I lost him. You're still there. I think something happened. Well, <laughs> that this might be passive-aggressive. <laughs> this might be his way of saying, I'm not talking to you, Babs. I'm done. <laughs> Hello? Bill? Okay. Well, well, I don't know what happened to him. I think maybe he's like, you know what? I'm tired of talking to her. <laughs> She's getting too close. She's getting too deep. I don't want to do this. So, well, it, wherever you are, William, I don't know where you are. Um, we'll just have to uh, let this be what it is. So, thank you for being on the show today and. I will have you on again because I think your stories and your style of writing is beautiful. And I think these stories are going to really mean something to people and, uh, and you'll be back. So we'll talk about them. And wait, here he is. I think this is him. Bill. Yes. I don't know what what happened. happened I think I, you know, I thought maybe he was like, I'm tired of talking to her. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was talking and I gave this great soliloquy and I said, okay, I'm waiting for my response and I got nothing. I, said, oh. I, I, th- I, I just thought. I my phone and showed I was still connected. I know. I can see it on my, my computer that you're still connected. I just thought, I thought maybe you're like, I ain't talking to Babs no more. I'm done with her. <laughs> I would have at least finished the conversation. <laughs> no, I said, I'm. You. I'm definitely I'm having, done with you. having you. You're not. You're done with me now. You're done. That's all right. Listen, no. I've heard that more times than I can tell you. Until you get that text, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's you, that's you being done with me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm done with that woman. I'm never talking to her again. <laughs> never escaped my lips. <laughs> well, um, you will come back on because uh, I, I, I love your writing. You have a fine mind and a fine hand. I love the political stuff because I'm a political animal too. Um, and I'm a political junkie. So, so we have that in common. So, I'll, so you'll be back just for that alone. But I also think you have a fine romantic hand. So as you cultivate and develop that, 
uh, I have no doubt that you will find the success that you're seeking. Uh, and I just, you know, I'm just happy to be along for the ride. And for however long I get to be on the train, I'm going to be on the train. So, so well, um, we got about a few minutes left. I want you to leave us with, um, we have like a minute left. Leave, leave us with some pearls of wisdom. I always ask people, um, I always ask people one or two things, either leave us with a pearl of wisdom or what do you do to sort of live your best self? Like what are the kinds of things that you do to sort of rejuvenate, replenish, give yourself back to yourself? Uh, Because we all have our daily stresses and we all have the things that sort of, you know, wear us a little thin. What are some of the things that you do to sort of um, stay focused and healthy and, you know? Well, fortunate for me, I've it may be late coming, but I found a mechanism to be able to clarify my thoughts, which is writing. If I have a, uh, if I'm in a place where I don't know how to respond to something or what I think about something, I, I write about it, mm-hmm. and I get instant clarity. Um, so uh, I encourage people to find a, a mechanism for themselves to to get clarity. For me, it's writing. Uh, if it's a personal issue or, or whatever, and sometimes what I write turns out to be totally different than what I thought I was going to write. Um, but, you know, writing has been a blessing for me. It allows me to clarify my thoughts and, you know, just cleanse myself. Oh, good. So, uh, I encourage everybody to find a way. Writing may not be your way. You know, occasionally it's even been poetry. But I, I won't admit that again. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm dying on mistake. We need a new poem now. Put this on a continual loop so you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can play it again and again. You'll never get it from me. <laughs> Dear Fisk, fellow Fiskites, all you all that are listening in, you heard it, right? So demand poetry. Demand some poetry from him so that I'm not the lone voice out there demanding poetry. Yeah, keep waiting for that book of poems. <laughs> see, and you're putting it out. See, you see how you're putting it into the universe, right? Like now you now you're going to have to put a book of poetry out there because it's you're saying it. You, you, you know I was mocking, right? <laughs> yeah, but the universe doesn't know <laughs> mocking. <laughs> okay, well, I, I will teach it. That will be my goal. <laughs> Thank you so much, Will Spivy, for being here today. I so appreciate you and the work that you're doing. And you'll be back on because as you go through this process, um, you'll want to talk about it. And and and. You are a writer, a contributing writer to the inner city newspaper here in, in uh, Connecticut. So so people can, you know, here can read you on a regular basis. So so you have a voice and friends here. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to the next time. Yes, it will be a next time soon. Not too long. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Will Spivy. I'll talk to you soon. You know I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You take care. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's my friend, Will Spivy, an author. Uh, He's writing a couple of books, and they are very, very well-done books. So listen, pick up The Inner City. You can read him. Or go to his blog, www.enigmainblack.wordpress.com, where he is waxing poetic on the regular. And uh, play me out, Lucy Gelman, producer today, Johnny King. I'm still rocking your music. See y'all next week. All night, Monday morning. I'm sick of this job.